0: What's going on? Welcome back to the Just Talk Pod with George Jarjour. You can find me now on social media at George OnTap on Twitter and Instagram. Looking forward to a new year and new format for this podcast. I've been working on a new format for this podcast, I feel like, for a really long time. So that's why I've been kind of missing... Uh, before we get started please send this podcast over to any friends please share it with three friends rate and review five stars hopefully if not whatever but rate the podcast and let me uh, know any suggestions on guests and stuff you can email me at george at the sports but the new format here um and also follow the that being said podcast of me and my brother sammy it's a great podcast. All sports related on that one, basically with a couple little small topics, you know, put it in sizzled here and there. Um, but this new format of this podcast is really exciting. So we're, we're doing something here a little bit different. So we're going to start off every podcast with, se- with segments. The first segment's always going to be a sports related topic. thought, or it might be if there's something really big in around the world, it might be a world related topic, but mostly sports, sports related topic. This week was my quarterback power rankings for the playoffs. After that, a quick Seattle segment where I go through a Seattle news story, whether it's sports, culture, food, anything Seattle-related. Then, right in the middle, smack middle in the middle of that podcast, we're going to have an interview. It's going to either be an interview with a person or story time by George. This week in the first three episodes will be story time by George Jarjour these three stories are going to be traveling um during a global pandemic i'm going to break down the three places i spent a lot of time in over the last four months first starting off of tulum then re- then i went to mexico city and then colombia so i'm going to talk about all those story time of george jour and then the, by episode four of 2001 we're going to be into uh interviews uh so we'll be doing an interview then after that, my favorite new segment—the lyrical analysis—where I find a song and I go through the lyrics and basically shred it to uh, smithereens because I think lyrics are hilarious and I don't think lyrics make too much sense. So I'm gonna go through a bunch of different lyrics from rappers' songs and uh, kind of uh, talk about that and see, you know, what what, what lyrics are there. This week I'm doing uh, "Holy" by Justin Bieber and. Uh, and chance the rapper and kind of going through the lyrics there and then i'll end it with my favorite soccer team tottenham on every episode really quick segment on that it's usually two or three minutes just talking about the spurs where they are because i'm trying to get you know maybe people who listen to this podcast we all become spurs fans most people who listen to this podcast don't probably don't have a favorite english premier league team so we're all adopting the spurs you're a fan of me you're a fan of my podcast we're all spurs fans spurs supporters as they say coys For those who don't know what that means, come on Spurs. So we're going to do that. Um, Let's go through those all every week. And then we're going to release this podcast most likely Wednesdays. Wednesdays either uh, probably earlier in the day. This week is later in the day. And Saturdays. um, Probably be recorded Friday, but Saturday will be released. So that is the uh, Just Talk Pod with George or George News segment. Uh, before we get started, uh visit betus.com. That's B-E-T-U-S.com and use promo code sports on tap to gamble. We all like sports betting. We all like gambling. So we're gonna I'll be giving out a pick every podcast uh, right here, not this one, but from here on out, every one pick. And uh, on football, once football, you know, we'll be giving out five picks. Um, but the thing is you go to betus.com use promo code sports on tap. You will get 100% bonus on your first deposit. So if you put in $100, you're going to get more than $100. You're going to get um, another extra $100 to bet with free money. Free money is fun, man. So go to Bethouse.com, use promo code the sports on tap. And before we get started, we have a quick word from Anchor. And then enjoy the podcast. All right. So welcome into the episode. I know it's been a while. As I said, we had uh, restructuring this podcast. You heard the intro, you know the deal. Today we're starting off with our playoff quarterback power rankings. And man, uh, as you guys all know, there's 14 teams left kind of going through the quarterbacks. Not all of them are really, really good, which is, you know, something that we've seen a lot of times. We got some bad quarterbacks. And bad quarterbacks are the worst. I mean, a lot of people misconstrue me and they think that I root for all these uh, guys like, for example, Baker Mayfield, right? Oh, you want Baker Mayfield to be bad. You don't like Baker Mayfield. You don't root for Baker Mayfield. And people don't realize that I'm actually not like that. What I'm really saying is I want to see as many good quarterbacks as I can. I want to see really good quarterbacks being played. I want to see good quarterbacking being uh, happening around the league. I'd rather not see bad quarterback play. So rather than seeing Alex Smith, I wish Dwayne Haskins was good, but Dwayne Haskins, you know, rather go to strip clubs and rather party and rather do a lot of different things than be a good quarterback. And for me, I guess a lot of times what I keep saying is, You got to realize with quarterbacks and just especially young athletes in general, these are 23, 24, 25-year-olds, sometimes even younger, who got millions of dollars. And how would I have handled it, right? Would I have handled it even as good as dated? Probably not because it's really hard to handle this type of money, this type of fame, this type of uh, pressure, especially at the quarterback position. So, no, not every single person is made to be a really good franchise quarterback. Some people aren't made for that. So – can't really blame them so no i don't root for quarterbacks to be bad i do root for some quarterbacks more to be good because i predicted them to be good like carson wentz and i was completely wrong about that all year so i root for guys like carson wentz to be better uh and when they're, when they're not good it kind of sucks for my takes it sucks for my uh for my type of way of looking at people and what i want them to be but at the end of the day, if they are not very good, that's that's something that you that sucks when you get it wrong. But no, I want more good quarterbacks, the better quarterback play, the better quality of football, and the more fun it is. So what I did here was my, you know, I ranked all fourteen quarterbacks that are left in the playoffs. I'm going to do this every week uh, here throughout the playoffs, and for this week, I'm going to say what's at stake. Right? Um, I might change up the narrative on the next one, but this one is the what's at stake ranking. So. Um I'm ranking the quarterbacks just so everyone knows these aren't the the 14th but for like the best quarterbacks this is their playoff power ranking. So I have Aaron Rodgers as the league MVP this year. but I, I think I have Patrick Mahomes ahead of Aaron Rodgers in my quarterback playoff power rankings because these are this is who I want playing a playoff game right now. And if if you tell me Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers, they both have one Super Bowl, I'm probably picking the Chiefs. So that's why I'd put him, but I'm picking Aaron Rodgers for MVP. That's why he finished number one in my quarterback uh, power rankings for the regular season. So let's get it going. What's at stake? The 14th best quarterback to me um, is... Alex Smith. Look, what's at stake for Alex Smith at part of a Washington football team? Nothing. Nothing's really at stake for Alex Smith. It's already a good comeback story. It's a comeback story of a year, most probably. It's an incredible achievement to come back from like 300 surgeries or whatever it might have been. And it's but let's be real. He's just not that good anymore. I mean, no one watches Alex Smith. and be like, man, that's a quality quarterback. I want Alex Smith co- uh, quarterback in my team. I know it's harsh having him last, but I think he's the worst quarterback left out of any quarterback playing in the playoffs. And I think they get ran out of the field by the Buccaneers. Number 13 is John Wolford of the Los Angeles Rams. Look, he shouldn't be starting anyway. Maybe it's Goff That's going to be starting the game. Nothing's really at stake here, but if he wins a playoff game, many will question whether Goff is worth the money or not. So that's really what's at stake here. It's, Goff's future is at stake with John Wolford, who, you know, uh, he's not as good as Goff, but he does a lot of things that Goff can't do, like move the pocket, roll out a little bit. For me, it's like, okay, so if Goff can't, if Wolford wins a playoff game, that's what's at stake. It's more for Goff. What's at stake for Goff? People are going to be like, does Jared Goff really worth the money? Number 12 is Mitchell Trubisky, Chicago Bears. The future's at stake here for Mitchell Trubisky. If Mitchell Trubisky can win a road playoff game, many are going to wonder if he's worth sticking around in for the future in Chicago. Or if he looks awful, a lot of people are going to be like, hey, it's time to call for Mitch Trubisky's job and go find the replacement quarterback. So I think... If Mitchell Trubisky goes to New Orleans and looks good, and he finishes the season as hot as this offense has looked, I think they scored thirty points in five straight games, which makes no sense when you watch Mitchell Trubisky throw the football because he's just not that good, of, uh, or that elite of a thrower of a football. You're gonna wonder, right? Like you're gonna be like, all right, so should Mitch Trubisky be the quarterback here or not? Like there's a lot of lot at stake there. Number eleven is Phil Rivers. What's at stake for Phil Rivers? Another year. Right, so is it time for another year of Phil Rivers if they win a playoff game? If they go upset Buffalo, or is it time to call a quit and call it a career for Phil? So that's something at stake for Phil Rivers. That's something you got to keep in mind here. Um, if and number ten is Baker Mayfield. Uh, look, if there's not much at stake for Baker Mayfield here, because pr- at the end of the day, this is great. He got the Browns to the playoffs. He had a good season. There's not much at stake here. But I guess if you want to ask what's at stake, if Baker wins a playoff game, many will call for a new contract worth a lot of money when he's due for that new contract. Plus, if they beat the rival Steelers, it would be a huge day for Browns fans. So like, there's a lot at stake for Browns fans here. But I don't think there's much at stake for Baker Mayfield. I think he has proven he's going to at least get a, be the future quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Number nine, Drew Brees, uh, quarterback power ranking. Look, uh, what's at stake here a lot? A first-round exit for Drew Brees in his career, there's been a lot of them. There's been a lot of first-round exits. This could be the end of his career if they lose. If he looks bad doing it, he's looked bad. This could be the last game in Drew Brees' career. So if he gets another playoff first-round exit, one and done, there's a lot of those in Drew Brees' career. Number eight is Lamar Jackson. And you're going to see why I have him at number eight behind, like Ryan Tannehill and Big Ben, is because it's a playoff power He hasn't won a game yet. Um, Even though I think he's better than a lot of the guys ahead of him. But what's at stake here? He has the most at stake is Lamar Jackson. Two years of one and done in the playoffs for Lamar. And he has to prove he's worth the big extension and that he can actually win the big playoff game. So he has a lot at stake here. There's a lot at stake for Lamar Jackson, man. This is legacy. We don't want to be if, – if Another year of talking about this with Lamar would be disastrous for Lamar Jackson's career. We, Lamar Jackson needs this win more of an – any quarterback on this list needs this win. Number seven is Ryan Tannehill. Not much at stake here. I had him slightly above Lamar in my quarterback playoff power rankings. Because we've seen him win two playoff games. We've seen him beat Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is better than Ryan Tannehill. There's no doubt about that. He's going to probably – I think he's going to jump him. if uh, This is just a playoff quarterback power rank here. Number six, Big Ben. What's at stake here? Um I guess the future of a franchise, right? I mean, a lot of legacy thing here. You and three Super Bowls as a starting quarterback. There's a lot at stake, but this is a legacy thing. This is a future thing. If Big Ben hasn't looked very good the last few weeks, and if he looks bad again, you're going to be looking back and be like, "All right, so do they go draft a quarterback? Do they? What do they do? What do the what do the Pittsburgh Steelers do here for the future?" Number five is Josh Allen. Josh Allen is getting his first playoff win would be huge for the Bills um, if they want to win a Super Bowl. Whether it's this year, next year, you want to just see Josh Allen do it in a big game like in the playoffs. Not saying he can't, but we just haven't—he hasn't had the opportunity or hasn't had the need to do it yet. But I think this is his first one, and I think he's going to do it. I really like what I've seen all year out of Josh Allen. But there's a little bit at stake here. You don't want to be—this would be his second playoff appearance. You don't want to go 0-2 in your first two starts in the playoffs. So there's a little bit at stake here for Josh Allen, but not too much. Number four is Tom. Brady. Uh he's this high because we've seen him win six fucking Super Bowls. Just to be honest with you, right? How many Super Bowls? I mean, could this be seven? What's at stake for Tom Brady here? Um not just being the goat of football, which he is. He if he wins the seventh Super Bowl, he's the goat of all professional sports, right? Like he is the greatest American athlete of all time. Like right now it's him, probably him and Michael Jordan. So if he wins, he becomes the goat of professional athletes. Three, Russell Wilson, what's at stake? For him, it's him versus Aaron Rodgers, really. They both have one Super Bowl. They both are like, if they continue this, uh, Russell Wilson, if another playoff run could probably enter the conversation for top 10 quarterbacks of all time, possibly. Um, It's really him, legacy versus Aaron Rodgers. I mean, those are the two guys you kind of compare each other to. Two is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, A lot at stake here for Aaron Rodgers. Maybe this is going to be his best opportunity to win another Super Bowl in his career. And that's huge, right? And I would put him in the lead of elites all time. But if he wins a second Super Bowl here, and to go along with that MVP that he's most likely going to win, you probably put him above Brett Favre as the greatest Green Bay Packer quarterback of all time. And number one is Patrick Mahomes. Look, another player who can really put himself in a position to become an all-time great here. Weird saying that, and it's only his second, third, third year as a starter in the NFL. The two Super Bowls in three years and only being 25 years old, This is a massive moment, man. I mean, if he gets two Super Bowls before 25, we're talking some real-life amazing times for Patrick Mahomes. All right, so we're just going to recap that real quickly here. Um, Our quarterback playoff power rankings. Number 14, we got Alex Smith. Um, Nothing really to prove here with Alex Smith. Um, Incredible story. John Wolford, number 13. He shouldn't be starting anyway, but he does some things that Goff doesn't do, and I think he's slightly better than Alex Smith. Number 12, Mitchell Trubisky, Chicago Bears. A lot at stake here for Mitchell Trubisky. His future in the franchise is at stake. Number 11, Phil Rivers. Um, if if he looks bad, it's time to call quits for Phil Rivers, plain and simple. Number 10, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield wins a playoff game. A lot of people are going to be calling for that new contract to come Sooner rather than later, and hey, Cleveland wins a playoff game, which would be pretty insane. Number nine, Drew Brees. This could be the last game in Drew Brees' career if they lose. Number eight, Lamar Jackson. Nothing means more to anyone on this list than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson needs to win a playoff game, or we're going to be talking about playoff failures for another year, and we'll be calling him the James Harden of the NFL. Big stats no substance in the playoffs number seven Ryan Tannehill not much at stake here um the reason he's above Lamar Jackson is because he beat Lamar Jackson last year in the playoffs and uh he did look better in that game frankly than Lamar did number six is Big Ben he's not much at stake here but Big Ben has playoff pedigree that's why he's at number six number five Josh Allen big 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 game for Big Ben here man if uh or Josh Allen, I'm sorry. Um, He didn't get his first playoff win, which would be absolutely massive. Number four is Tom Brady. He can become the greatest athlete in professional sports history if he wins a Super Bowl during these playoffs. Number three, Russell Wilson. A big playoff win, a Super Bowl appearance, which would be his third, would maybe propel him into the top 10 quarterbacks of all time. Number two is Aaron Rodgers. Look, this might be Aaron Rodgers' best opportunity to win another Super Bowl and another Super Bowl win with Aaron Rodgers to pair with a likely MVP would put him in as the greatest Green Bay Packer quarterback of all time. And number one is Patrick Mahomes. We'll be talking about two Super Bowls, three years at the age of 25. So those are our quarterback power rankings. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed those. As I said, um, you heard the intro. You know the new format with this podcast coming up next. Is our Seattle segment <laughs> first edition of first edition of a Seattle segment? Rain, I don't know, man. I don't, I'll probably have some catch line by uh, in the next couple episodes. And as you heard in the intro, I mean this this intro is a little longer than usual. It doesn't have to be sports related, but this one is. So today's um, first Seattle segment is about the cost of reviving the Seattle Supersonics. Reports suggest it could be $2.5 billion expansion fee for a team. From the Quote, the Oakview Group co-founder Tim Lightwake, who is spearheading a $930 million overhaul of Climate Pledge Arena, said that Silver's comments, Adam Silver, for those who don't know, the commissioner of NBA, that Seattle will be positioned to pounce on a team whenever the NBA opts to make one available. Lewicki, who spent years helping run multiple NBA teams, worked closely with Silver in the league's head office on Arena Ventures overseas and has outfitted Climate Pledge Arena with nearly 50 million, 50 million in NBA-specific locker room and media installation designs. Quote, unquote, the league knows that the leadership on our side, from ownership to our management of the building, are NBA family members, Lewicki said. They are well aware of that. They're well aware of the step we taking so that if and when they come knocking on our door, our building will be 100% ready. And I know a lot of people have been wondering, would the NBA play in Climate Pledge Arena or would the NBA, um, or would the NBA play in uh, Soto in a new building? I'm not quite sure. But just the thought of the Seattle Supersonics coming back to Seattle makes me giddy, right? I mean, come on. How happy would you be to see the Seattle Supersonics come back? For me, I'd be ecstatic. I don't have an NBA team. Uh, for those who follow me and my brother's podcast, that being said, podcast, we love the Phoenix Suns right now because we might be moving to Phoenix at some point. So we're big Phoenix, We're following the Phoenix Suns, but we're Seattle fans at heart. I'm a Sonics fan. I Growing up, I'm a Mariners fan. I'm a Seahawks fan. I'm a Huskies fan. Shit, I'm going to be a huge Kraken fan. I'm a crackhead. <laughs> of all i i mean i can't wait to be using that on the pod all the time i'm a crackhead crackhead so that's what i am i'm a crackhead and i'm just wondering like man i just want to see the sonics come back and It'd be great, up $2.5 billion expansion fee. I I love the Soto idea and having a whole district of restaurants and stuff, all there. restaurants and sports teams, you know, the Mariners, Seahawks, and Sonics. But at the end of the day, I kind of want to see Queen Anne revive. I'd rather see that. I would like to see Climate Pledge Arena have the Kraken and Sonics. You have your indoor sports in, uh, in Queen Anne, and you have your outdoor sports in Soto. And you can revive the economy there. All the restaurant owners and bar owners over there really took a big hit when the Sonics left town. And that'll just help Queen Anne revive a little bit. And I just would love to see that area down on Denny Way or near Denny Way, you know, become really, really special again for the Seattle Supersonics. And a $2.5 billion deal. I mean, it's pretty easy what you got to do here, right? There's going to be two teams, as it seems like, for expansion. And people are like, you can't put the Sonics in there if you're going to have Vegas in there. No, no. I think you can put in two Western Conference teams. I think what you do here is you get the Sonics in and you get the um, the Seattle Sonics in into Las Vegas, whatever the fuck you want to call them in. And you got to add two Western Conference teams and then you got to move one of a Western Conference teams. If you draw a map down the United States, right? I mean, you can kind of tell that New Orleans, New Orleans is on the East Coast. Uh, It's not a Western city. I drove from Seattle. I mean, sorry, from Seattle to Miami when I used to live in Miami to Louisiana on the same day i left in the morning i got to louisiana at night to new orleans well baton rouge watch my huskies lose 41 to 3 to the uh to the lsu tigers that's a different story for a different day great great place though if you haven't been to a game baton rouge if you haven't had alligator if you haven't tailgated in lsu you got to do it i kind of wish i did it when i was like you know a game where i didn't really care about i really cared about the huskies but i'll I'll do it again i want to go you know i have some plans to do this again and go um go out there and check it out again you know in a game i don't care about maybe against against alabama like a really big game but the point is lsu louisiana new orleans that's on the east coast of the united states So move them to the east that way you have an even number team on the east and west you got the sonics in the in the las vegas i don't know what they're gonna call them, but i would call them like the las vegas like just go with the Raiders again, or the Las Vegas Renegades. Something cool. Get them back on the West Coast with Seattle, and now you got a t- two teams on the two new teams on the uh, West. You move one back team, one team to the East, New Orleans. You let Zion get out of a Western conference, let him dominate the East a little bit. That'll be good for ratings on the East coast too. And he'll have a better chance of, you know, uh, I mean, down the line, who knows what the power of a- structure of NBA is going to be back as he's dying out East. And that's what exactly how I'd go about doing it. And you know, like, look, if you don't, if you want to make an argument that though, the Pelicans shouldn't be the LSU's is in the Southeastern conference, Southeastern conference. So New Orleans is in the East, Louisiana is in the East. Let's just move the Pelicans to the East, bring in the Sonics and Raiders. Now, what I wanted to talk about quickly here is who would make sense to own the Sonics? Like, there are people, I don't know who would own the Sonics, right? Like, I'm not quite sure. But the Sonics, if they do come back to Seattle, I put together five people who I believe, or six, sorry, that I believe that the Seattle Supersonics could possibly be the new ownership groups, and I did. And this is in no particular ranking whatsoever, but I think there's like, actually, it's like three and four was like kind of the same group. But let's go through them. Jeff Bezos. I just think it'd be really cool if Jeff Bezos owned a basketball team. Amazon. Climate. I mean, he just kind of put a stamp on the region. He's already put a stamp on the region. Don't get me wrong. He's never really seemed interested in owning a basketball team. He's kind of out of a limelight for being such a big, big, big. Big time celebrity and the richest man, I think, on earth right now, if uh, if I am correct. So I would ha- love to see Jeff Bezos on there, Jeff Bezos on the sideline, kind of, you know, with his bald hair and looking like a badass on courtside. Uh, Bill Gates. Uh, I think Bill Gates would be great. Uh, Bill Gates has done made a lot of fucking money. He has the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which you know gives back a lot to the community, obviously. But with all the negative news with the vaccine that he's been getting, it would be kind of fun for him to be like, all right, guys, are you really that worried about it? I'm going to buy an NBA team. And everyone would be like, oh, I love Bill Gates. He owns the Sonics. He brought the Sonics back. So uh, for anyone who's anti-vaxxer or is worried about the vaccine or Bill Gates controlling us, at least it control our basketball team. That'd be cool. Uh, number three and four are the same person. I want the Oakview Group, led by Tim Laiwecki, to run the stadium, fund it, run the operations. But the city, like the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers side, to actually own the team. That'd be so cool. The Seattle Supersonics are owned by the t- city. They don't have an owner. Um, we just put together public funds to put in an expansion fee. $2.5 million, You know, we have, what, 8 million people in the state of Washington I believe like, I don't, I think that's right. Let's see. We have 200, uh, no, we have 8 million people in the state of Washington. So I don't know how much that would be for 1.2 billion, but it can't be that much money, right? 2.5 billion divided by 8 million. I, I don't know what that would be, but I think it's like 31 bucks a person. I'll pay 31 bucks and bring back our Sonics. That'd be cool. Right. If we own the team as a city. Kevin Garnett, he said he wants to bring back the Sonics. That'd be fun. And, of course, Chris Hansen. Those would be the people I would like to see bring back our Sonics. I I, I think they'd be all pretty fun people to own this team, to bring back the city, revive it. So that's today's Seattle story. Bring back our Sonics. Save them. I'd rather get an expansion team than take another person's team. We ain't Oklahoma City. We're better than that. all right so this week as i said the first three episodes i'm kind of just gonna instead of interviewing someone i'm probably gonna go through this and kind of talk about a thing that i've really been was passionate about did it really got excited doing it i'm gonna probably do it again a lot of people aren't going to like it because people are crazy right now the world's crazy right now um but it's story time, so usually it's either going to be an interview or story time, but the first three episodes are going to be story times because I spend a significant amount of time in three different locations uh, during the last, what, four months, two months in Colombia almost, a month in um, in Tulum and a month in Mexico City. And I decided that during these first couple episodes, I'm going to talk about what it's like to travel during a global pandemic, during a time where people aren't traveling, during a time people don't think you should be traveling. And I I kind of disagree with that as long as you're being safe and you're not trying to harm anyone and you're doing it responsibly. I think you can travel. You can enjoy your life um, despite COVID-19, despite the ramifications around it, despite the scared, you know, world we're living in. You can't you can't just hide in, in a, your own bubble. So sometimes I feel like you got to get out of there and do what you got to do. And it's a lot of fun sometimes, but it's also not as fun as it would be. So today, um, one of the first three of uh, traveling during a global pandemic is that I went to Tulum for a month, Mexico City for a month, and Colombia for a month, including Bogota, Medellin, Cartagena, I'm going to kind of break Colombia down into one long episode, doing um, Tulum and Mexico City, because they're completely different uh, into one episode, uh, two different episodes. And Colombia will be just one long story time on the third episode, which will be this time next week, it seems like, is when I'm going to be releasing that one. So, Tulum. Um For those listening to the podcast, I did a couple podcasts while I was in Tulum. You guys know I was there. Uh, If you follow me on social media at the George on Tap or just George on Tap on Instagram or Twitter, you know I was there. I went and traveled. I rented an Airbnb, which was fantastic. Um, So here's some story time, right? So decided in some – I had booked this, right? So last year before the global pandemic hit, I decided I wanted to travel the world And work remotely doing this podcast, doing that being said podcast with me and my brother, working remotely, writing remotely, kind of just exploring the world. I wanted to see the world and I still love because that's what I am. I'm a cultural guy. I love sports, but I also love culture. And that's why I try to mix a lot of this podcast of sports, culture, different things. Even our website, I write a lot about different uh, cultural things that have to do with sports and don't have to do with sports. So my thing was I was going to go um, – I was going to start off actually last year uh, in Colombia for a couple of months. I was going to hit up a couple of soccer games, go to Argentina, do the same things, go to Boca Junior versus Rio Grande, um, You know, one of the biggest rivalries in, in sports. It's one of the biggest, baddest, meanest, craziest – I, whatever you want to say about it, it is the most insane, one of the most insane rivalries in all sportsmen. I was going to hit Budapest after and go to Euro uh, 2020, check out Euro 2020, see what that was all about. And then a global pandemic came around and hit us. It hit us like a buzzsaw, right? It, it literally fucking smacked us in the face. It sucked. We were stuck at home. Um, but... One thing I did, I had already booked was I was going to be back at late August and I booked for the whole month of September in Tulum, Mexico, which is kind of a hotspot. It's an influencer paradise, which I hate the word influencer, but it's true. It's an influencer paradise. And I'm not really like too much into influencer paradise. It kind of became one here during the global pandemic. And we'll, we'll get into that why here during story time. But I booked Tulum to end the trip, get closer to the United States, and I'd hop back to the United States, finish the football season, figure out what I was going to do next, Um, but whatever. So I, um, around the middle, I mean, I think I was booked for August 30th, I think, around that that time. So around August 15th, it was 10 days away. So, man, we're in a global pandemic. Mexico is open. I don't know if I want to go to Tulum or not. I should just cancel it. So I hit up Airbnb, and I'm like, yo, what's up? Can I cancel this reservation? They said you got to contact the host, and you'd only be refundable if you were able to go ahead and cancel the um, if the host would cancel for you. So the host wouldn't cancel for me. So I was like, all right, screw it. What should I do? Should I just swallow the money, or should I head up to Mexico?" I decided not to go um, until about three days left before. Trip, and then I was like, fuck it, I'm going. So I hop on an airplane, first airplane experience with COVID. It was fucking scary. I probably wiped the – I never took off my mask. I wiped off the uh, seat with uh, Clorox wipes. I brought my own Clorox wipes. I wiped off everything with Clorox wipes. I put hand sanitizer everywhere. And I got to Tulum, Mexico, got on the – went and rented a car. Here's a little fun fact for you all, you youngins out there car insurance uh even if your credit card offers you car insurance which mine does isn't eligible in Mexico so they didn't take that so yeah it's not t- if 4 bucks a day it really ends up being like 30 bucks a day for a whole month uh, I got a little bit of discount I think I ended up paying 300 for a rental car for that whole month I was like all right cool whatever I'm going to do a month in Tulum if things start opening up I'll go somewhere else if not then not i'll come back to states or i'll just stay in tulum Uh, i wasn't really quite sure what i was gonna do it was nerve-wracking i get in that i get in there right so i get in that car start driving 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 i go to the atm get some cash out get some gas next day if you listen to podcasts i talk about it find out my credit card got my debit card got stolen bunch of money wiped out just money wiped out of my account so that's how my digital nomading experience which by the way now that word's overplayed because everyone's kind of a digital nomad now because everyone's working from home. So my money gets stolen, like 6000 bucks in charges on computers, laptops, whatever. I have a good bank shout out to Home Street Bank, not a sponsor. But um, if you want to be hit me up. Shout out to Home Street Bank. They I call them they take care of it. I get all my money back. Um. But it sucks, right? It sucks. I get, you know, I lose some money. I get it back, whatever. So I'm in Tulum, Mexico for a month. And here's what it's like traveling during a global pandemic. There's a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of responsible people out there. Really, this is what it's like to travel during a global pandemic. You're going to have to keep in mind. During a global pandemic and traveling during a global pandemic, there's a lot of responsible people out there. There's people wearing masks. There's people... I mean, if you're traveling, you're probably not completely social distancing. Let's be completely frank. But you're pr- you're being careful. You're not mingling with people you don't know. You're wearing your mask. You're going about your life in a freedom type of way, but not completely freedom. That's what I would say traveling during a global pandemic is like. You're careful. You're nervous. But you're kind of acting somewhat more normal than you would if you were putting yourself under complete lockdown. So you travel I traveled out there during the global pandemic and I got my mask on most of the time. But as many as smart people as there are, there's a lot of dumb motherfuckers out there too, right? So I I mean there are some places while in my first month out there in Tulum, I was like I can't go to this place. So here's my story time. You know, my third or fourth day there. I'm just working remotely, enjoying myself. But whenever I can, I want to hit the beach. And in Tulum, there's beach clubs. And when I say beach club, doesn't mean beach club. I'm talking about beach clubs. Nice. You get a lounge chair. You can get a little cabana. It's not that expensive. Uh Compared to what you would think it is, but it's expensive, right? You know, hundred dollar minimum, fifty dollar minimum, some places, twenty dollar minimum, some places for people, depending on which one you go. Vagaloom, shout out to Vagaloom, the best one out there. I think it's like fifty bucks, seventy bucks a person when I was there. But the thing is, there's a lot of dumb people out there. So the first day I'm out there, I'm going around and I see what do I see? I see a place uh, like pretty, looks pretty cool, called Taboo, and I go in there. And it was like exactly what you'd think, like Florida on spring break at the beginning of the uh, pandemic. No masks, people grinding on each other, hookahs being passed around. It was pretty nuts. Uh, People drinking, no social distancing face to face. And I just walked out. So that's what it's like to travel, right? You got to be careful. So you can choose your places. You can travel and be responsible. You can also travel and be a dumb fuck. You can you can really get sick really quickly. And a lot of people who went to Tulum during that first period got sick. And that's why like I was like kind of like I did Tulum a little differently than most people do. I was by myself most of the time in my room and didn't really party much. So that was Tulum, right? So like I saw that. I I really did. Now as as the month Continued to progress as the month continued to evolve. I started going out a little bit more. I got a little more comfortable. I was seeing people. I was hanging out with people, but still pretty socially distanced. Kind of, you know, for me, it was like the beach was really easy to stay pretty socially distance on because it's a beach. It was fun. I made a couple friends. Uh, shout out to Manuel, who's became one of my best friends I've ever met. He's a great guy. Also owns a sports betting company, so that's pretty cool. Since we uh, both work in sports, and he lived right above me, and I, so I mean overall, I would say Tulum was great. Traveling during the global pandemic, uh, it was fun. I was able to swim a lot. I got a lot of sun. I was really happy. I ran every single day. Um, one of the things though, I did want to point out was like towards the end, uh, as more and more. T- places seemed like they were going to be closed for the united states the more and more people came to tulum and the more and more people came to tulum as the word came out the more and more tulum got a little bit overplayed um a lot of problems a lot of people a lot of uh I love Tulum. It's been one of my favorite places. I just hope I can't wait till Tulum becomes not the big popular place anymore. So I can go back and enjoy it. Because a lot of construction was leading to a lot of American tourists, which no problem with American tourists, but these were a lot of people not wearing masks, a lot of people not socially distancing, which is fine. Like not fine, but you know what I mean. Like I'm I'm not like the biggest, like worry cat, worried, worried wart. But, I mean, it just was a lot of people just doing crazy things. So, the last night I'm in Tulum, I go out to this bar, and uh, it's it's called Banties. I think Banties, and it's really popular. Look, by that time, I had been out everywhere. I'm going to bars. Like, if you want to judge me, judge me. Don't listen to this podcast. Like, if you know me, I'm going to tell you how it is. I was out at the bars. I was enjoying myself, having drinks. And I saw these, like, a lot of American tourists and it was those people that, you know, didn't give a shit. There are a lot of people who didn't give a shit. And, they were kind of, and that's my problem. They come to Mexico. They don't want to learn any Spanish. They don't want to talk to people. They want it to be the United States. And they get offended if people don't speak to them in English. There's a lot of those type of people. And I go and I'm enjoying my time. And I see a lot of drug dealers. And a guy was giving me a weird look. So I got out of there. I was like, fuck this. This place seems dangerous now. Even though it's in the middle of Tulum in the downtown. And it's really nice. And uh, the really good drink, so me and my buddy leave. And the next night, this is the last night in Tulum before I headed to Mexico City, which I'll talk about on my next pod, a shooting occurred. And two people died, two tourists. And it turns out it was drug dealers. And the more Americans that come in, the more drug dealers come in as well. So I just, here's the thing. I think you should all go to Tulum. It's a great place, but wait till the global pandemic's over that way. Not, not the whole entire United States goes to Tulum at the same exact time. And it just becomes an extension of the United States. That's why I decided I'm out of Tulum. I'm heading to Mexico city. Cause as I said earlier in this podcast, I like culture and I wanted to go somewhere cultural. So that's traveling during a global pandemic. Um, It was fun. That was story time. Story time. Part one. We'll have interviews as I said on this, but this one was just story time and on to our, my favorite new segment, the lyrical analysis. All right, lyrical analysis time. Um, And so the first segment doing this, and I I don't know if it's going to be as entertaining as I think it's going to be. But I think it's going to be really entertaining. Um, The thing with lyrical lyrics, right? And the reason I'm doing this is because I think lyrics are insane. Like, These rappers and these singers have all these lyrics and they're like, oh, my lyrical analysis. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. And really, a lot of it doesn't make any sense. And a lot of it's kind of ridiculous, even though the beat might be catchy. But it's just like, man, I'm going to get into it one day and people are going to hate me for it. Like, I'll say everyone's like, J. Cole, man. J. Cole, lyrically, the greatest. Kendrick Lamar, man, the greatest lyrical. Like, dude, relax. All right. Tupac was a really good lyric. Like we don't have to just pretend everyone's really good at lyrics. Right. So this one is a, one guy who I find to be as much as yeah, people who know me. I don't think J Cole's that great. He's all right. Kendrick Lamar. He's good. He's all right. He's not the greatest rapper of all time. But the one guy I can't stand is Chance the Rapper. I, and all you listen to Chance the Rapper, like he's like a gospel singer more than Chance the Rapper. So this song he's only featured in and he's with Justin Bieber and it's called Holy I think it's number three on the charts right now. And look, first of all, I want to say before I get started, the video is fucking dope. The video is emotional. It hits a lot of things home. I love the video. I thought it was great. And I just think the beat's good. I think the song is great. Let's go through the lyrics. So we're going to start off, and it starts off with with Bieber, right? Um, Let me see. Here we are. All right. So it starts off with, with Bieber, and he says, let's get it started." All right, so he starts off with Bieber, and he says, I hear a lot about sinners. I don't think I'll be a saint, but I might go down to the river because the way the sky opens when we touch. Yeah, it's making me say. All right, good start here. Not bad. Sinners, saints, go down to the river, talking about being baptized because the song's called Holy. Makes sense pretty much. He goes on next to say that the way you hold me, and he says, hold me, hold me, hold me, feels so holy, 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 on God, running to the altar like a track star. Can't wait another second because the way you, this is the chorus, by the way, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, Feels so holy. Pretty solid. I got to say, he's done a pretty good job with the chorus. The chorus always does pretty good, by the way. Finishes up with the previous verse with the skies open up when we touch right into a chorus saying holy, because, you know, like a holy matrimony. But I'd have to say the running to the altar like a track star is a reach here. Like track, running, altar, like it's overused, man. Come on. Running to get married, a little bit of a reach. Here's where I have my problems starting. I don't do well with drama, and no, I can't stand being fake. And he goes, no, 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 no. And I don't believe in nirvana, but the way we love in the night gave me life. Baby, I can't explain. All right. This drives me fucking nuts. Who does well with drama and likes being fake? It's like all these girls on Instagram, Tinder, Twitter, Facebook, who label themselves no drama. If you are fake, get the fuck out of here. That's what they say on their profiles. Who's we're not going out on a limb here with the whole I don't like fake people or drama. No one likes fake people. Nobody likes drama. This is this is pretty overplayed to me, right? Like I don't like everyone, I they feel like they're trying to be a philosopher and they're like, yo, bro, I don't like fake people. Yo, bro, bro. I don't like I don't like drama or fake people. Nah, no shit, Sherlock. Nobody likes drama. Nobody likes fake people. So, you know, this whole, oh, man, I can't handle fake people thing. Yeah, no shit. No one can handle fake people. No one likes drama. No one likes fake people. So, yeah, overplayed, don't like it. And he says he doesn't believe in nirvana, which in itself is an overplayed word. What does nirvana mean? Most people don't know. In Buddhism, a transcendent state in which there is neither suffering, desire, nor sense of self. And the subject is released from the effects of karma and the cycle of death and rebirth. It represents a final goal of Buddhism. So really, all there was no need for the word nirvana in any sense here. And then we're talking about being holy and about, like, right the song Holy. And then we're talking about having sex at night. You're touching the night. So really, how holy, holy are you? To me. It makes no sense. Bad lyrics here. Bad lyrics. Completely bad. He goes back onto the chorus, which we've already talked about. Pretty cool. when um, he says, The pimps and the players say don't go crushing. Wise men say fools rushing. Good rhyme, by the way. But I don't know. Okay. Here's the thing. We've heard this before. The first step is... The first step pleases the father might be oh sorry this is the next one probably right. these sayings have been around for fucking hundreds of years. pretty much correct. can't really argue with it. We all have friends who rush into relationships rush into the things that didn't never work out. So the pimps players and wise men are right. you don't rush into things and then he says, but I don't know. Now nah, you should know Justin no no it does it doesn't work. And here comes chance the rapper. All right. right, I I mean, I'm sorry to all the Chance the Rapper fans here, but this this makes no sense. He starts off by saying, the first step pleases the father might be the hardest to take. But when you come out of a water, I'm a believer. My heart is fleshy. Life is short with a temper, like Joe Pesci. They always come and sing your praises. Your name is catchy. (laughs) What? What did you say? All right. What the hell is Chance the Rapper saying here? First of all, the first step is the hardest to take. Okay, makes sense. But coming out of a model makes you a believer of what chance? Yeah, okay, it makes you holy. I get it baptized. But your heart is fleshy. hmm And what does that mean? And people sing your name because your name is catchy. Yeah. Uh, if anyone can explain that to me, send me a message because it makes no sense. He goes on to say, but they don't see you how I see you Parley and Desi. Cross, tween, tween, Hesse, hit the jet ski, jet speed. When they get messy, go lefty like Lionel Messi. Let's take a trip and get to the Vespa and rent a Vespas or rent a jet ski. I know the spots that go- got the best weed. We go in next week. <laughs> Like, I can't even with this man guy and people are like, Oh man, this, this, this is just holy chance is just wrapping a bunch of random shit here. Parley and Desi, I think are famous actors cross tween tween. Okay. That means nothing dude. Now let's get to talking about jet skis. So he needs to flaunt some money or something. A good, he had a good line here about Lionel Messi reference since he has a strong left foot for those who don't know Messi's right handed, but his left. His left foot is his strong foot. And then he goes back to renting jet skis. And Vennie wants to go smoke weed next week with you. Like, all right, cool, Chance. Really holy, really fun. Really contributed to the overall theme of the song here. And then he goes on to say, I want to honor you, bridegroom. I'm my father's child. I know when the son takes the first step, the father's proud. He reuses that again. Uh, if you make it to the water, he'll park the clouds. I think we're at, we're at a revolution. We, we made a revolution. Chance says he's his father's child. Make, I mean, come on, guys. Makes zero. I mean, okay, cool. Everyone knows. Yeah, I'm my father's child, too. Come, congratulations. He goes on to say, oh, No, he mad. You know, he mad. You a snack like Oscar Proud. Suffer it to be so now. Got to clean it up. for Now, this part I actually really like. I love what he says here. Formalizing union and communion. He can trust. I know I ain't leaving you like I know he ain't leaving us. I know we believe in God. I know God believe in us. He ends it fantastically here. He salvaged the whole entire verse, which makes me happy. Chance salvaged his whole appearance here. For all the random and unneeded lyrics, he threw in the last three lines were pretty damn good. And then it ends when we believe in God, and I know He God believes in us. Holy, the song. Gotta say, ends the verse fantastically. Um, I like the ending. I really do like the ending. So that's my first lyrical analysis at the end the chorus, we all know how the chorus goes. We talked about that. Final rankings. See, I'm working on something here. I don't know what it is yet, but my final rankings is 3 out of 5 on the lyrics. Not horrible lyrics, not great lyrics. But I want to give them like awards. I don't know what they are yet, like three cups, two cups. I don't know um I don't know exactly what it's going to be yet, but we're going to be working on something there. So that's All right, everyone who listens to or everyone who knows me knows I'm a big Tottenham Spurs fan. So we're gonna end every podcast with a Tottenham update because I don't. Know, I mean, I don't know much about soccer, so it's kind of be more of a fun, funny segment. It'll evolve as it goes, and maybe I start getting interviews on it or something. But my goal here is to kind of make Tottenham the uh, anyone who listens to his podcast will all become Tottenham fans, or anyone who listens to his podcast also uh, who is a Tottenham fan, like oh cool, at the end he's a Tottenham fan. So it's like we're getting Mike Tottenham Spurs update. So this week, uh, Tottenham reached the Carabo Cup Finals. So we might get our first trophy under Jose Moreno. And I was like trying to think, like, is this trophy important to me? And I say, yes, we're going to be playing Manchester City. So that's pretty cool. April 25th, they pushed it back because they're hoping they can get some fans in Wembley Stadium by then. Who knows if that will actually happen or not. But it'd be pretty cool if there's fans at the stadium for a cup final, and get your first cup uh, under Marino. But here's my cup rank. Out of my cup rankings, I'd probably put this as the fifth most important cup I want to win. So it'd be kind of like, it's cool, get a cup, get a trophy, but it's probably not the number one trophy that I actually want. Um, Number one trophy I'd love is probably the Champions League. Number two would probably be the English Premier League or 1A, 1B. Three is probably a europa league trophy for the fa cup and five the carabo cup so i know it's great to get that carabo cup trophy you hold the trophy you feel good you get one under your belt but this trophy doesn't mean too much but i'm really enjoying being this Spurs fan uh during this time so this this section is going to evolve so it's going to be at the end of every podcast it might be two minutes it might be five minutes i've a lot to say but as it evolves it'll probably get a little bit longer then we'll do our ending so Carabo Cup finalists, fantastic. Pretty excited about that. We're going to be uh, watching all the games, of course. Uh, next, I think Sunday, we got our FA Cup game. So that'll be exciting. I'll have more on Friday's podcast about it. And that's the end of today's podcast. So thank you for listening. Um, this is the Just Talk Pod with George Arjour. Please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about this. Send it. You can send it on WhatsApp, man. Just send it to your whole entire phone book like why not this podcast is going to get more fun as it evolves and i'm really glad you listened today leave five stars and we'll be back saturday morning oh thank you